Did you miss Canty and Carlin? ESPN Radio, the ESPN app on Sirius XM Channel 80 as well. Canty and Carlin is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Amber Wilson and Field Yates filling in for the guys today. You can tweet to him at Field Yates. You can tweet to me at Amber W Sports. You can also always join the conversation on the Dr. Pepper call in line. Triple H, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. The game of mm. yesterday was the game that we expected the game of yesterday to be. Field, right? I mean, the Buffalo Bills end up beating the Kansas City Chiefs 24 to 20. This one goes down to the final seconds. These teams go back and forth. Nobody could score in the beginning of this game, but it was no problem. They were going back and forth anyways. You mentioned earlier in the show that the that they, you were way under the over, right, on this yeah, game. But it didn't matter. The excitement was still there. They go into the half tied. They keep trading scores. Everyone's leading at different times. It was a remarkable game. This time, though, the Buffalo Bills getting their revenge on the Kansas City Chiefs coming off that loss last postseason. And this game lived up to expectations, as you said, Amber. My feeling when I woke up today was not that like this changed the perception of either of these teams that I had going into the game. I thought they were the two best teams in the AFC clearly coming into the game. And I feel like they are the two best teams in the AFC clearly coming out of the game. Like this isn't again, this doesn't change anything for me about how I feel for the Chiefs, right? They lost. So what? Like, I just enjoyed yesterday's game. Like, in college football, we don't always have that luxury, right? Because while Alabama, if they win out, I think would probably have a very strong, compelling case for getting back to the college football playoffs. As we know, some teams, you lose one, you're done, right? The Chiefs are not, in my opinion, going to miss the playoffs by one game. We're going to look back and say, well, if they had just beaten Buffalo, they would have made it. They're going to make the playoffs. They might even be the number one seed in the playoffs as well. But that game yesterday was just three hours of football purity right there. How great was it? It lived up to expectations and a year of parity, Amber. So few games have done exactly that. Right. This is the season where we've heard Tom Brady say bad football is being played. And we're all complaining about the games that we're watching on Thursday nights or people are complaining about how many times they're watching the Denver Broncos in primetime this season so far. There's a lot of things in terms of the product that we're watching that maybe hasn't lived up to expectations. Listen, we all love it. It doesn't matter. It's NFL football. I mean, it could be the worst game on earth and I'm sitting there and I'm watching every minute of it if you put it in front of me. But what we all live for is these sorts of moments in NFL football. And we knew the Chiefs-Bills game was going to deliver it did just that Mm. it was a remarkable thing because also you had the storyline of what happened last postseason so you have the revenge factor you have now the rivalry factor plus you have the Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes factor so that's sort of like this media created rivalry but it's one that we're all buying into and we're all here for and those guys of course were remarkable now Josh Allen getting the better of it with his touchdown pass to Dawson Knox with that with a minute four left on the clock but then Patrick Mahomes had his opportunity Ends up uh, throwing an interception. The Bills are able to run out the clock. Josh Allen finished the day, though. 27 of 40, 329 yards, three touchdowns. Mahomes, 25 of 40, 338 yards, two touchdowns. What ends up being the difference here is those two interceptions that Patrick Mahomes threw. Including the one at the end of the game. Mm -hmm. Teron Johnson steps in front of Sky Moore. The game is basically over. And, you know, oftentimes in in sports, I think Amber – Fortunately, we end up criticizing the great ones more for when they have errors 
as opposed to praising them when they do things well, right? You know, you live in Miami. You know that, like, despite the fact that LeBron helped the Heat win two championships, like, we talk more about the finals loss in Miami than we do the championships won, right? At least that, that's at I mean, least, I don't. This well, Miami I, Miami Heat fan doesn't. Yeah, but yeah, but I would say like a lot of people that follow that team are always like, oh yeah, you know, like well, you know, they, they lost that 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 first series to the to the Heat, whatever, like you know, to the to the what was it, the, the, the Mavericks. Mavericks when Dirk went nuclear, right? Like that's oftentimes Why what we do. Why are we bringing do. this up? I'm what, what I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> but what I'm bringing the point is just that, like we often talk about like the failures as opposed to the excellence. And Josh Allen, when he plays against the Chiefs is at his very best over his past three games. Josh Allen against the Chiefs, and these have been since week five of last regular season, he has at least 300 passing yards, at least three passing touchdowns, and zero interceptions. That is only the second player in NFL history to ever do that. He has been exceptional when the the moment has mattered most, and he looks like the best player in the NFL right now. That's what he looks like. He does, and he very well may be that. And I'm not sure anybody would argue against you saying that, frankly. Now, the reason that I mentioned the numbers from both of these yesterday is because it is remarkable how similar the numbers are between Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. Now, of course, the difference being those couple of mistakes there, Patrick Mahomes, the interceptions. You mentioned that one with Teron Johnson. He intercepts Mahomes at the very end of that game. That was coming because of the pressure that Von Miller got on Patrick Mahomes. And all night, or all day, I should say, Von Miller was aggravating Mahomes. And it doesn't always result in sacks, of course, because, listen, it's Patrick Mahomes out there. I mean, nobody can dance around a two-step like Patrick Mahomes out there outside of the pocket. But that pressure was certainly breaking up the plays. It was aggravating him. It ends up arguably being the difference in the game. So let me ask you this then about Von Miller, because you're saying Josh Allen's the best player in the NFL, you could argue. Is Von Miller the best offseason acquisition in the NFL then? So I think that it's, that's a good question. I had I did not know it was coming, so I have to sort of just think about other moves that were made this offseason that would be in the conversation. But sometimes we have to sort of categorize the NFL in different buckets. And as far as like players that were added this offseason – that have could have championship equity difference making ability, Von Miller may end up being that, right? Because it's like these are like the candidates, I would think. It would be Von Miller, it would be whoever you believe the Chiefs' best offseason addition was. Um somebody in that wide receiver room, I guess, right? I would think, right? But no one the... certainly no one is, is stepping up in that regard to this point. Uh whether you think there's a player that the Eagles added, like a James Bradbury or a Son Reddick. That's the kind of conversation that we are having. AJ Brown, AJ maybe, Brown, right? I think so would be pivotal. In maybe that, that will be in that conversation as well. But Von Miller is certainly stating his case, and as we talked about at the beginning of the show, Amber, who knows how Von Miller will age and how this contract will age? It's a six-year deal worth up to 120 million. Everybody knows NFL contracts are not fully guaranteed. It had like something like 55 million guaranteed. Basically, the first three years are, are a lot of money that Von is getting. He doesn't need to be dominant for the next six seasons. Heck, I'm not sure he needs to be dominant for the next three seasons. If the Buffalo Bills win at some point this season or next season with Von Miller on their team and their Super Bowl winners, it will have been worth it. Even if in Mm -hmm. year three he's the worst player in the NFL, which he won't be, but if he continues to play like he has and makes moments or has moments like he did yesterday, we'll all be saying, 
That's how you take care of the final missing link. That's how you do it. You don't wait for it to come to you. You go and get it. That's, excuse me, I'm getting choked up over Von Miller because that's why you bring in, I was emotional, you know, that's why you bring in Von Miller to this Buffalo team because then I talked about it earlier in the show, this was a very good Bills team and then you saw sort of the natural progression of the development of this team. They didn't really need to make big offseason moves, frankly. They still would have been, I think, one of the better teams, if not one of the very best teams in the NFL, but they didn't sit on their hands. They didn't get complacent. Even if they're in a pretty easy division, they decided to to improve where they could see the opportunity to do so. And then they bring in a champion like Von Miller to get them over that hump. And you are dead on field. If it, if it just pays off this season and ass Super Bowl, and then they still have to, you know, deal with that contract over the course of years, if he decides to stay playing, I mean, who cares? It was, it was still all worth it. Uh, and if he ends up being that thing that gets you over the hump this season, and frankly, so far, he looks like he very well could be. Oh, by the way, it will be the second straight year that Von Miller would win this yep. award that we just made up, right? Because <laughs> look at what he did for the Rams last year. Helped them win a Super Bowl. And the Rams have deep-rooted issues on both sides of the ball right now. But one of the realities that they endured and will continue to endure, Amber, is that like they went big. They went all in for a championship. They won. They won not just the Super Bowl, but they won the game of chess, roster chess that they played that some doubted, right? They To the victor goes the spoils. And I know that everybody's disappointed right now, but like 15 years from now, if Sean McVay and Les Snead are retired and living their good life, you know what they are? They're still Super Bowl champions. Mm-hmm. No one cares if they go 10 and 7 this year, 11 or whatever, 9 and 8. Like they're Super Bowl champions forever. That you can never take away from them. And certainly that they will remind you of every opportunity they get, no matter how long they have to wait for the next one. We'll see if he ends up being the difference in that kind of way for the Buffalo Bills. Coming up next, why the Cowboys all of a sudden might be in a rush to get Dak back. I see what you did there, Evan Wilner. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? That play was courtesy of Sports Station WIP, and that is how things went yesterday for the Dallas Cowboys. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, Amber Wilson and Field Yates filling in for the guys today. And the Cowboys, they 
did try to stay in this one. I mean, they did make their case late. They came alive there in the third and, you know, part of the fourth quarter field. But otherwise, it was a pretty ugly one and largely because of turnovers and they just didn't have the offensive power to keep up with the Philadelphia Eagles. Frankly, nobody does right now. So I don't know if that's a huge insult to the Cowboys, but you can't have Cooper Rush throwing three interceptions. Cooper Rush's first career starting loss. Uh, he's finally done it. He's gone and lost. If you're going to lose, though, Field, yeah. at least you're losing to the only undefeated team left in the NFL. Yeah, this is actually a pretty noble effort, Amber. Don't you feel like the Cowboys last night actually played, like, my feeling is that the Cowboys with Dak Prescott will be a tough out in Dallas for Philadelphia. That's my takeaway from last night. Is that simplifying things too much? No, I think that's fair. Now, given the problem with that philosophy and any takeaway is that it was Cooper Rush under center. And despite all of the Rush mania and us all loving everything that we can do with his name to make it fun, it seems like Dak Prescott is going to uh, be coming back and there probably ain't no controversy coming off of last night. Yeah, there certainly isn't. And I thought it was hilarious, to be honest with you, that anybody was suggesting there was some sort of legitimate controversy with Dak Prescott and Cooper Rush. My big takeaway from Cooper Rush is what that was five starts, five total starts in place of Dak Prescott, plus another half or three quarters of a game all the way back in week one, was that I thought there was a chance that by the time Dak Prescott returned, let's just say we knew it was week seven, which obviously it's going to end up being. But if we knew that when Cooper Rush first took over for Dak Prescott, I might have thought to myself, you know what? If the Cowboys are three and three, two and four, it's kind of what I expect from them, right? Like best case scenario. And instead, they were 4-1 and one going into last night. Rush isn't lighting the world on fire. But backup quarterbacks, for the most part, in the NFL, Amber, like what we're asking for them is not to keep the torch burning at the same, you know, sort of like level as it was with the starting quarterback. You're asking them to not veer so far off course that you just fall flat on your face. And I Don't Cooper be the Rush, reason we lose, yeah, right? And I thought that he did an admirable job in doing that. So... The Cowboys, I think, should feel really good about where they're at, especially when you look at their schedule coming up. They get the Lions this week, then they get the Bears, then they go into their bye. I think there's a real chance they're 6-2 and two coming out of that bye week. They're certainly set up to ease Dak Prescott back into it. Cooper Rush last night, 18 of 38, 181 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Listen, they were playing the Philadelphia Eagles, and I'm not going to take anything away from what Cooper Rush did because he did absolutely keep the help anyways, keep the Cowboys afloat. I do think it's remarkable that they're sitting at four and two. None of us would have expected that when Dak went down with injury. Frankly, if Dak hadn't gone down with injury, there was people who wouldn't have expected it because there was noise already before Dak went down with injury. It was hard for me to evaluate this team coming into this season. I was very kind of meh. Like, I didn't think the Cowboys are going to be bad, but I I just didn't really think they were going to be great by any means. They, to me, with Cooper Rush largely under center for the majority of the season, frankly, have exceeded expectations. So with Dak coming back and him having those couple weeks, easier games, and then you're going into a bye, I mean, I have pretty high expectations here for the Dallas Cowboys in the second half of the season. I do, too. And I think that, like, you know, Jerry Jones, is going to find a way to bring the attention too squarely back onto the Cowboys. It's just the way that things work. And I'm not saying you want to lose a game, but if they had won that game last night and improved to 5-1 and one and knocked off the last undefeated team, the rhetoric would have been out of control today surrounding the Cowboys. And all of a sudden, we would have been asking ourselves, are they Cowboys the team to beat? Are they an inevitable Super Bowl contender? And... I think they're really good, 
I just don't know that they are like clearly in the very top class of the NFL. And it's almost like being humbled last like last night kind of allows them to sneak by a little bit longer here, Amber, before we put them into that Super Bowl conversation. Because at that point, all of a sudden expectations get way too high. And what's been the story for the Cowboys for like 25 years now? Mm-hmm. Not living up to expectations. Now those expectations are still reasonable. I'm sure there are Cowboys fans out there saying, dude, you're a moron. We wanted to win last night. I think it's okay. Like, I still think this team is very well positioned to make the playoffs, possibly win the division, but definitely make the playoffs in an NFC that does not look nearly as daunting as it did last year. Certainly not as daunting as it did last year. And you're absolutely right. Now, they wanted to win, and they would have been – screaming from the mountaintops if they with their backup quarterback beat the undefeated team the only left undefeated team ruining you know that record this season in the NFL but you're kind of right like if you're going to lose this maybe is the scenario to lose in now if Dak comes back and they go out and drop a game against the Lions and all of a sudden that conversation changes and we're going to enter the second half of the season either way now because of what we've seen the Cowboys do and largely do without Dak, we're going to enter the, a situation where the expectations are heightened. But, yeah. Field, the expectations are always heightened because it's the Dallas Cowboys. Like, even on seasons, we don't even expect them to be great. Like, it's the Dallas Cowboys. So, the expectations are them? always there no matter what. Yeah, no question. They're always going to be there. And like I said, I don't care if they are the most average team in the NFL, the most dominant team in the NFL, the worst team in the NFL. Jerry Jones is going to say something, Amber. It's going to get us talking. They're going to get us talking. And he's going to make the microscope. It's going to be zoomed in that much more on his Cowboys team. But I will just say that separating from that inevitability, I remain impressed by how this Cowboys team has competed when I thought there was a chance that their season could have turned into a house of cards and Dak Prescott got hurt. Yeah, no no Dak, no problem up until last night. Now, there was a point where we thought Dak was maybe going to be back for last night. Obviously, they're taking their time here with Dak Prescott. Uh, you would assume, though, that time's up here. We'll see him in week seven. Here was Dak Prescott, the Cowboys quarterback, being asked about his timeline. I mean, I don't necessarily get that frustrated over that. I can't control this. Uh, obviously, something was healing. I had plans. Um, Bone obviously didn't have the same plan, so as you said, I got pushed back, but that, that, that was just me being eager. That was nothing different than what Doc's plans, the, the, the trainer's plans. Um, as I said, the plan now is just uh, to go next week, and uh, let's, let's see if I can do that. So his timeline got pushed back on his return field, but I would imagine now Dak and the Cowboys, and frankly, the Cowboys fan base is now ready for Doc's return. I think so, too. Like, they are very much ready for it, and, um, you know, it's just a tough one, right, because... The football season is obviously only 17 games. It's different. The opportunity cost of one NFL game versus one MLB or NBA or NHL game is so dramatically different. But if Dak's not ready, was not ready last night, I know they lost, and maybe they win that game with Dak, even if he was 75 or 80%. But the bigger picture is that the Cowboys, with Dak now fully cleared or will be by the time they play, we think, on Sunday against Detroit, they're 4-2 and two with everything ahead of them. Two winnable games before the bye, a team that should be getting healthier with guys like Michael Gallup reverting back to form after missing the offseason due to a torn ACL suffered late last year. Like The Cowboys are trending in the right direction. I remain optimistic. 
I remain optimistic as well. Uh, let's hope the wheels don't come off with Dak's return. There's no reason to believe that they should, though, because Dak Prescott should be a significant upgrade over Cooper Rush. No offense, Cooper. You have done everything that your team asked for you to do up to this point. Coming up next here on Canty and Carlin, one more reason why we maybe can't believe in a repeat for the Rams. We'll explain. ESPN Radio, and of course, you can watch us on the ESPN app. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Courtesy of ESPN 98.7 New York. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. Canty and Carlin is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Amber Wilson and Field Yates filling in for the guys today. And there are a lot of frustrated cheeseheads right now in Packers land. So let's bring in some help with the conversation of all things NFL. Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, joins us. And Mina, let's start with the Packers because they get dominated by the New York Jets yesterday. And maybe that's not as embarrassing as it once was, as we're all still kind of adjusting to the Jets, I guess, being kind of decent here. But the Packers, that offense looks bad. Yeah, uh, I think... That looks bad as a pretty accurate summation for what we're seeing so far from Green Bay. I mean, you know, the problem, and I think this is where it gets more complicated, is diagnosing how to fish it. My big takeaway from the New York Jets domination of them was that it started up front. I mean, this Jets defensive line is really good. You saw that last week as well. They're capable of winning games. But I didn't expect them to absolutely dominate Green Bay in the trenches the way they did um, especially, you know, with the Packers getting some offensive linemen back. I know that there's some fans agitating to move Elton Jenkins, the right tackle, to the inside. He had a, another rough outing, so perhaps that'll help. But it just feels like uh, they're unable to get to protect Aaron Rodgers the way he needs at this point in his career. And then beyond that, just a lack of consistency in the past game as well. Rodgers continuously seemingly out of sync with his receivers at times, not start trusting the structure of his offense, pushing the ball downfield unnecessarily. It's just a mess right now. Mina, not to be, I was trying to think of the word out but also in the same breadth or at least same tier <laughs> of messiness on offense right now as the Packers is the Bucks, And that one might be more yeah. difficult for me to understand because there's still Tom Brady and Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and even Russell Gage who makes 10 million bucks a year. If you were to diagnose what's going wrong with that Bucks offense, what is it and can it be fixed? You know, I would actually say it's um, a little bit similar, less so obviously they have the talent. And I think Brady, when he is kept clean, is still making some pretty good explosive throws. But kept clean is sort of the operative word. Um, the Bucks' offensive line 
is not playing to the level they did last year. We know that, you know, as quickly as Tom Brady gets the ball out, um, it feels like there's not enough time for the sort of longer developing pass plays they'd like to run. Uh, and then some of the changes on that line, uh, you know, bringing in the rookie, Luke Gedeke at guard, you're definitely seeing some weaknesses along it. And, and that's so important. I would say this is the kind of the connection for these two quarterbacks because both of them really can't play under pressure at this point in their careers, as great as they are. And I think just the looming threat of pressure, whether or not it manifests itself or not, because Brady gets rid of the ball so quickly, so does Rodgers as well, it is in a way holding back both of these offenses. Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us here on Canty and Carlin. Amber Wilson and Field Yates filling in for the guys. Mina, the Cowboys lost to the Eagles yesterday. I mean, listen, everybody's lost to the Eagles so far this season, but uh, Cooper Rush gets finally a career-starting loss here. The Cowboys, though, if I had told you when Dak went down that they're going to be sitting at 4-2 and two as they go into this game where seemingly they'll have Dak back for Detroit and then Chicago, would you have been surprised? Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, you know, I... I've made some jokes about the QB controversy debate in Dallas, which is to say I've never thought there was a QB controversy. But that said, uh, Cooper Rush did outplay my expectations based on what we had seen from him at that point in his career as a backup. And, you know, until like yesterday, obviously did a decent job protecting the football. Um, I think as a Cowboys fan, you have to be thrilled to be in this position, having lost that Prescott for those games, seeing what this defense is capable of. And then knowing now that your offense can take it to another level, I'd absolutely be happy. Mina, a team you know very well is the Los Angeles Rams, as you are part of the awesome preseason broadcast of the Rams. And this is a team that in some ways looks like it's still playing preseason football. They're 3-3. Three and three. Last year, they're out was trading for uh, trading picks for players. This year doesn't seem quite as simple. How Where do they turn now? Because, I don't know, maybe 15 minutes ago, Sean McVay announced that starting left tackle Joe Noteblum Torres Achilles, he's out for the Ugh. year. Is this offensive line going to prove to be an Achilles heel? Uh, I think so, yeah. It, it's really unfortunate. I mean, we're seeing around the NFL, by the way, you know, teams that have lost, a few teams have lost less tackles. I will say in a similar position is the LA Chargers, who lost, yeah. um, you know, was one of the best left tackles in the league, and Rayshon Slater. And I actually think uh, the rookie that they drafted out of Georgia, Jamari Stallier, has played pretty well. We'll see how he holds up tonight. But uh, you know, for the Rams, the problem is it's not just left tackle, right? There have been injuries across this offensive line, change, and I would say underperformance on the interior. I actually thought Alaric Jackson, who I saw playing in the preseason, um, ha- has played pretty well and hopefully, um, you know, will continue to play well in Joe Noteboom's stead. But at this point, the offensive line is just such a liability in L.A. that it's hard to get anything going on offense, either in the pass or the run game. Broncos Chargers tonight, Mina, for Monday Night Football. Obviously, the Broncos uh, disappointing. Uh, we keep getting to see them, though, in prime time. Is this going to be the difference tonight for us? Unfortunately, I don't think so. Um, you know, with Russ, uh, there's some struggles that have continued from last season. But, oh, pardon me. Uh, I think what has um, surprised me the most has just been kind of his inaccuracy on the short stuff and I have to think some of that has to do with that shoulder injury so until I see that he looks like he's throwing the ball on sort of layups the way he used to I'm going to be a little bit dubious about that offense that said um, the Chargers defense has not been good against the run this year I actually think that you know Melvin Gordon as much as 
Uh, Broncos fans bemoan his fumbles is still a very good running back, and I wouldn't be surprised if Denver leans into that run game tonight. Mina, did the Seahawks get better with Geno Smith as their quarterback? You don't have to answer that. You don't have to answer that. I just I continue to be impressed. By they look better. I mean, the offense is certainly more efficient field, um, and, you know, I, that's testament to a lot of things. But I would say, you know, the play of the rookie tackles, the two starting two tackles, obviously the yeah, skill plays are very good. Right? But I really think Geno Smith has been everything they could have hoped for and more in terms of his accuracy, his playmaking, and then perhaps most importantly, his ability to avoid costly turnovers and sacks. Mina Kimes, ESPN NFL analyst. Mina, thanks for joining us. Thanks, guys. Coming up here on Canty and Carlin, Amber Wilson and Field Yates filling in for the guys. We are going to get into if we know about it, if you know what I mean. Robbie Anderson trade, are the Cardinals mm. good? Is this going to matter? Do you know about that? We'll let you know. This is ESPN Radio and, of course, on the ESPN app. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Did you miss Canty and Carlin? Wilson and Field Yates filling in for the guys here on Canty and Carlin. And Field, after a lot of hubbub about officiating in the NFL, the league emailed an officiating video to mm. all the coaches and all the GMs. It does that every week, yep. weekly basis, right? But this time, one head coach was frustrated enough to hit the old reply all. Which, by the way, side note, the reply all, so annoying. Like, so unnecessary. If you work for a big company, don't hit the reply all. However, in this scenario, you normally can just email the direct person, you know? Like, not everybody needs to know your business. However, in this scenario, I'm going to guess Mike Vrabel did it on purpose. Because the head coach (laughs) of the Tennessee Titans, he emailed back the NFL's officiating department, along with every head coach and every GM in the league, with some very unpolite but pointed words. Here was Vrabel's email response. It said, I appreciate the time and energy that goes into these videos, but I suggest we devote every minute of our officiating department's time ensuring our officiating crews are as well trained in the clarifications we work to create in the off season and that each crew is as consistent as possible. Thank you. What do you make of that? So first of all, I agree with Mike, with Mike Vrabel. And um, one thing that I wish the NFL would be different in is that I can't think of the last time that when an obviously egregious call was made, the NFL came out and said, our bad, hands up, we screwed that one up. Instead, the NFL is prone to doubling down. Hey, by the letter of the law, this Grady Jarrett penalty was actually roughing the passer. I don't know in what world that was roughing the passer, but the NFL seems to try to want to convince us that it was roughing the passer. So I thought the Vrabel sentiments were smart and straightforward and appropriate, whether he meant to hit reply all or not, Amber. Oh, he meant to. He meant to. Of course he did. I think there's a public trust, though. Don't you think that, I keep referencing the NBA, that two-minute report from the NBA, it doesn't take away calls, but you know what it does? It lets you know we were wrong, and it builds trust with fans. I don't 
actually know if I agree. I think that two-minute report often just frustrates me. Because often the two-minute report also agrees with the calls. Now, okay. I guess to your point, like, there is an occasion where you yeah. feel like the NBA is actually being, you know, honest there. But it's always frustrating sure. if they if the league doubles down on whatever you thought was the wrong call from your own perspective. Yeah. I do think that the NFL, like if we're, if we're playing it by the rules or whatever marching orders they were given, I mean, there's going to have to be a conversation around, and there's one coming up sure. between the NFL owners, and obviously the league is taking a look at this. But Vrabel is trying to enter the conversation and just make sure that they're having these conversations, it feels like, with the league. And he's kind of putting everybody on notice with the reply all, because he could have just directly replied back to the NFL. The NFL is the one that sent the email. Instead, he let all the GMs and all the coaches know about the frustrations. Canty and Carlin. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. You can watch us live now on the ESPN app. All you have to do do is you have to open the app. You hit watch. That's it. It's on the bottom. The little tab says watch. Bada bing, bada boom. You're watching the show field. It's pretty cool, huh? That's all you got to do. I'm just, I'm just going to open it up right now and see if we can watch this. A moment of you vanity watch for yourself. me. Why not? You know? What the heck? <laughs> uh, he is Field Yates. I am Amber Wilson. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Field Yates. You can follow me at Amber W Sports. You can also always give us a call at Triple Eight Say ESPN. So you heard the open there. Uh, I don't know about that. Yeah, you know. Um... I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the Arizona Cardinals. Ooh, okay. Tell me now, more. the Arizona Cardinals are in the news today because they have traded for Robbie Anderson. Now, this comes after the wide receiver is kicked out of a game. He's fighting with his position coach, and now he's headed to Arizona. Of course, also, this comes on the heels of the news that Hollywood Brown suffered a foot injury that will have him sidelined indefinitely, may cost him the entire season. Arizona's out here obviously trying to make moves, field. The problem is that the Arizona Cardinals have been pretty terrible this season. They're sitting at two and four. They just lost to the Seahawks 19 to nine yesterday. There's a lot of questions about Cliff Kingsbury. Is he a good coach? And we're talking about these questions, like literally a matter of months removed from him signing what a seven year deal. It was a five year extension. I mean, it was something wild. And, you know, and then obviously the Kyler Murray, contract as well things are very confusing in Arizona does Robbie Anderson change any of that no it does not um I understand here's so let me just uh throw a little bit more onto the masses in terms of the nitty-gritty of it they sent a sixth and seventh round pick the sixth round pick in 2024 the seventh round pick in 2025 to Carolina Robbie Anderson is probably a long shot to stick around on Arizona at his current number for next year it's like 8.8 million bucks but for the rest of this year, it's like $800,000. So it's a very modest price in terms of salary for Arizona to pay. But this was an alarming stat that the great Mike Clay shared on Twitter this morning. The Cardinals have held the lead for 2% of their offensive snaps so far this year. Think about that for a second, Amber. 2% of their snaps Easily the lowest rate in the NFL. If not for a miracle comeback against the Raiders way back in, what, week two of the NFL season, it's going to be one in five. And the problem with the Cardinals is it feels like they've made three major investments. And it people are wondering whether those three major investments should have been made. Multiple-year extensions for GM, Steve Geim, head coach Cliff Kingsbury, quarterback 
Kyler Murray. Now, I don't want to go ahead and try to take someone's job, GM or head coach, and there's no salary cap for those guys. Heck, the Cardinals fired Steve Wilkes after one season, Amber. But, like, this is a move that might strike some as moving the needle. I don't think so. Like, this makes them – this they go from, like, a last-place team in the NFC West to a last-place team in the NFC West. You know what I mean? Right. Does it well, really it- change the, the perspective of this team's future going forward? Well, and nothing about Robbie Anderson changes much because also of the season that he's having. I'm not going to fault the Cardinals for trying to make in-season moves, though, when things have been going as poorly as they have. But because of those extensions and those contracts, I feel like the microscope is more heavily on maybe the Cardinals than it otherwise would be. And Field, it was through what? Like the first – I don't have it in front of me, but they were the best team in the NFL last season through the what? First seven weeks of the season last season, uh, record-wise anyways. Yeah. And – we were talking about, are they legit and are they for real? And then, of course, it was very obvious by the end of that season that not so much, but the conversation was they can't finish. That's always been the conversation about this team. They can't finish. Well, now all of a sudden, this season, they can't start. And so what does that mean? If the team that can't finish can't start, what kind of season is this going to end up being after you just handed Kyler Murray the deal that you just handed Kyler Murray? Yeah, I mean, it's this is a tricky one. Right, Amber, because I feel like there are a lot of NFL teams where I kind of know the direction of them, right? And the direction may not be up, by the way, because not everybody can win every single season. But the Cardinals are one of those teams that, like, you're not going to change the quarterback because you just paid him all this money. Your drafts haven't been that great recently, have they? And... I don't know that like they have a bunch of young players in the pipeline right now that you say, hey, when they just turn the corner, that's when things get really good for us. So it's a very, very tricky spot that the Arizona Cardinals find themselves in right now. And this move, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it makes them a little bit better for the rest of this season, but not in a way that makes me feel much different than I did when I woke up this morning. And when I did, I thought to myself, this team... I'm not quite ready to declare them a non-factor in the a- in the NFC West, but they're getting pretty close. Now, Robbie wanted out of Carolina, Robbie Anderson. He got into that shouting match uh, with Joe Daly, who is the Panthers receivers coach, so his position coach, and then later ends up getting uh, – thrown out of the game. His own coach takes him out of the game. He said he has no idea why he was sent to the locker room. I have a couple ideas. I, we, I think we all have an idea, yeah. Robbie, but uh, so. he said he had no idea. Uh, he went on to address it at his post-game press conference. Here was Robbie Anderson. Yeah, you know, um, you know my job is I'm here to do all I can to help us win. It's third down. I'm being taken out of the game. You know, I don't think I should be okay with that. You know what I'm saying? So, I made a comment, it's money down, why am I being taken out? And that's that. I mean, you're being taken out because you got in a fight with your position coach. It seems pretty say, simple, you know, and now the like, team's, I, now the team's done with you. straightforward, man. This is so straightforward, right? Like, you want to be a pro, you got to act like one. And he didn't act like one on Sunday. And he was disrespectful to his position coach, and that's an easy way to get yourself sent to the locker room uh, from the sideline. Yeah, the, and – this was the most obvious he's going to probably get cut or traded the next day situation that I can remember in quite some time, right? Right, because it, the production wasn't there either. Production wasn't season. there. The distraction was there. This is a team in Carolina that clearly is now focused on the future. 
they actually might be more grim than, than than Arizona. I guess the good news is just to sort of round out that point about Arizona is that like you don't know what their direction is. They seemingly want to continue to try to go up. I'm not sure they have the means to do so. Like Carolina's not hiding from it, right? Like you want to make us an offer for a player on our team? If it includes draft picks, we are open to listening. So Carolina headed to the bottom, Arizona fighting to stay think somewhere in the middle but I'm not even sure the middle is achievable for that yeah I mean Carolina right now is listening uh, to offers for Christian McCaffrey I don't know what Arizona does because with Arizona at least we're talking about a team that certainly was good for at least part of the season last season plenty more Kenny and Carlin Canty and Carlin, weekdays on ESPN Radio and on ESPN+.